Well, guess what today's message is on? <laughs> what a coincidence, huh? Whoa. We're all facing Jerichos of some form. There's these ominous-looking fortifications in our lives sometimes. Sometimes they're addictions. They could be medical tests. They could be the loss of a recent loved one or some doctor that has told you that you're terminally ill. Whatever it might be. It might be relationships. Uh, it could be family matters. It could be financial issues. It could be any number of things. But we all face our Jerichos. And the Scripture tells us today how we can come out victorious in our battle with our Jerichos. So if you'd stand with me, I'll be reading the first seven verses of chapter 6 of Joshua. The Bible says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry set, uh, uh, trumpets of ram horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, each and every one of us, as individuals, confront our Jericho from time to time. These are fortifications that are looming large in our lives that just seem impenetrable, and yet, Lord, you have guaranteed us victory through obedience to you, whatever the case might be. We as a congregation face our Jerichos as well as we are attempting to spread this gospel to our community and beyond. Lord Jesus, be with us that we might be faithful in discharging whatever it is that you ask us to do. Lord, may we honor and glorify you above everything else in being obedient to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're accomplishing here. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people marched around them for seven days. You know... We are in a spiritual warfare. I don't think there is any way to dance around that issue. We know Ephesians 6 tells us that we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're not battling against political powers. We're not battling against uh, corrupt or autocratic governments uh, anywhere. We're battling against spiritual forces. It is Satan and his minions at odds with God and his goodness. And we are caught up in that spiritual battle, be it psychological, emotional, physical, intellectual, whatever the battle might be, it is being waged every single day, and you and I are simply a part of it. 
General Douglas MacArthur said, in war, there is no substitute for victory. I believe that in our war, physically, spiritually speaking. John Chrysostom, who was a fourth century martyr, said, you are but a poor soldier of Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting and suppose you can have the crown without the conflict. So many believers today, I believe, think that when they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it becomes somewhat of a cushioned job, you know? We're going we're gonna to go to that nice church. It's air-conditioned in the summer. It's heated in the winter. I mean, it's got padded pews, padded seats. It's got uh, comfortable... Sometimes we even get coffee. Some churches serve refreshments. Uh, we serve food around here quite a bit for some reason. <laughs> but be that as it may, your comfort is not necessarily on our top list of priorities. Uh, no. Our list is to serve the Lord with gladness and to come before His presence with singing. Amen. However, to do that, sometimes going to require sacrifice and sometimes it requires pain. Sometimes it requires uh, a battle that, that is waged. But we understand through this scripture how we can seize victory in our own struggle with this. Three things I want to leave with you today is in per your outline. God's will may be different. We look at the first five verses of chapter 6, and God gives His marching orders to Joshua. Now, I want you to see something in verse 2 that I've dwelt on for quite a while. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now, the average person would just be looking around saying, I don't see victory. I see a walled city. Jericho covered some nine acres, archaeologists tell us, of land. It had two walls. It had an outer wall and an inner wall. And they were joined through a uh, kind of a tunnel passage, which was common in that day. And it was a formidable task. In fact, 40 years ago, when Moses sent out 12 spies into the land, their first encounter was with Jericho, which was one of the larger cities in that day. And they saw the, the, the walls. These walls, the outer wall was 6 feet thick. The inner wall was 12 feet thick. And they were 20 feet high. Now Jericho sat on an an embankment basically because it was raised in elevation and they had an embankment so that it made it more difficult for soldiers for people trying to conquer the city to come up that incline they would become vulnerable to Jericho soldiers arrows and so it was a it was a formidable task to conquer this city and so these walls were impenetrable or so they thought so God's saying to Joshua see I've already given you victory past tense folks the victory is ours now Joshua has been with God long enough to understand when God speaks he listens when God directs he obeys you and I would do well to do the same thing God's will may be different 
Abraham was told to leave. Leave Ur and go to a place I'll show you. Where is it? I don't know. Abraham told his wife. Can you imagine, guys? You're coming home. God told us to go on a trip. Where are we going? I don't know. One thing I've learned in life, if you don't know where you're going, you never know when you arrive. Okay? And so Sarah says, so how do I pack? What do I wear? I don't know. But we'll know when God tells us to stop, we'll stop right there. And so he went. And the same thing with Paul. Paul said in Acts 20, he's going and not knowing. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what's going to, I'm going to experience there, but the Holy Spirit has told me that I'm going to have difficulty in any city in which I'm ministering. Any place is going to give me trouble. So I know that I'm, I may not live beyond Jerusalem, Paul was saying, but my life is unimportant to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all important. And so this God's will may be different. These ram's horns were only used for celebration. They were used for uh, special occasions, for these festivities and so forth. They were, they were not used for war. They were used for celebration of victory after the battle was won. So God said, what you want to do is make sure these seven priests have a shofar, a ram's horn each in their hands and blow it as you march around the city. Now, God's accomplishments are God's size, something only He can do. And this, the reason being is because He wants the credit, He wants the glory, He wants the honor and we have been trying to hammer on that theme for the past few months, past few years, in fact, that God wants to accomplish something in this congregation, in any congregation, that can only be explained by attributing it to the Lord God Almighty. You know, too many churches are so willing to accomplish only what they can do in their own strength, in their own ability, and then pat themselves on the back when it's done, and God gets no glory for any of that. So God, I'm sure, just shakes his head. But God says to Joshua, follow my will. It was God's strategy, not man's. Now, you look at, the, at verse 2. He says... I have already delivered Jericho into your hands. Past tense. You see, we as believers in Christ Jesus need to understand that we fight from victory, not for victory. The battle is the Lord's. We're told to be faithful, not fruitful. I know a lot of people get that mixed up. But John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You're called to abide in Christ, and in Christ you will be fruitful because the fruit will be borne by Christ through you, through this church, through any body of believers. And so God's will may be different. Look at His strategies. And it was God's strategy, His activities of the week, uh, were a test of faith and patience. They had already been there some 10 days because the men had to be circumcised during that period of time to uh, make them a part of the covenant promises. Now, 
Here they were six days marching around. Now this didn't make a whole lot of sense, probably, to the army. This is what I want you to do. I want you to dress into your soldier garb, wear everything that you would wear to battle, only you're not going to go to battle, you're going to march around the city. And what does it say again? No one speaking. No one uttering a single word. Now, for a lot of people, that's a difficult thing to do. <laughs> Some of you have the gift of gab. And you can think, marching around Jericho once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, seven times, still no one speaking. Joshua said, when I yell, shout, then shout. Not until then, don't utter a word. And you can imagine them back at camp. Oh, you know there's some muttering going on. There always is. Can you believe what Joshua said? I mean, here we are in camp. We're armed soldiers. The book of Numbers says that there were some 600,000 men who were capable of being soldiers at that time among the Israelites. They didn't take all 600,000, obviously, around the city. They took a, a small portion. But can you imagine them in camp? that night, first night? Are we going to do this again tomorrow? I mean, really? I mean, for six days, this is what we're going to do? And then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times? And didn't even speak in the ranks as they were marched. Now, God's will may be different, but you and I are called to obey it completely. God's will must be followed. Verses 6 and 7. He says, so Joshua called the priests together, and this is what he did. He reminded them of what God had already said. <clears throat> you see, you and I need to understand that this spiritual warfare that we're involved with is not fought with weaponry of the world. It's fought with spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Israel had two choices, as I see it. They could follow God's will and be victorious, or they could disobey God and be defeated. You and I have two choices. It comes to that, that crossroads where God says, this is what I want you to do. Now, where we have problems with is we want God to break it down to human terminology. If we don't understand it, we expect Him to uh, be confined to our agendas, our time frames, our understanding, the way we would do it. If I were God, this is what I would do. And we, we think in our heart. And God says, No. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Do it my way if you want to be victorious, God says. And so they had a choice to be obedient and be victorious or to be disobedient and be defeated. Hmm. Reminds me of Naaman the leper. You remember Naaman, who was a commander of the army in Syria. And he had leprosy and his staff had heard about Elisha the prophet 
and his powers. And they went to Elisha. Elisha said, this is what I want you to do. Tell Naaman, go bathe seven times in the Jordan River and he'll be cleansed of his leprosy. Now Naaman argued with him. That is stupid, he said. That's revised Townsend version. RTV. He said, why would I want to do that? Why seven times? Why seven times? Why not one? And the Jordan River, our rivers in Syria are better than the rivers in, in Israel. Not the Jordan River. We've got two rivers here that are highly superior to the Jordan River, he said. The aide said, excuse me, sir, but Elisha's been very successful with it with his obedience to God. And, and God said to do this, I would strongly recommend that you follow his advice to the letter. So when, only when Naaman bathed seven times and only in the Jordan River was he cleansed from leprosy. And you and I want to skirt that sometimes. Well, God, is there a shortcut? I mean, is, is there something I can do? do? Do I have to repent? Do I have to confess? Do I have to be converted? Can I, is there something else I can do? Maybe take a written test or something? And we want to skirt the issue. When in reality, when God says, this is what I want you to do, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the uh, remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. There's a condition to God's promises. These, and it's conditioned upon our response in faithfulness to be obedient. Well, Israel had those two choices. They could have done everything. And then he said in verse 3, all the people will go forward and each one carrying his own responsibility. So he said, what I want you to do is have all the fighting men get their fighting implements together, put you on your army array, your battle array, the priest, I want the priest to have their their horns, and you'll have men, four priests, that will be carrying the Ark of the Covenant because it's important that not only Jericho, but Israel sees that it's God's war. God's in the midst of it. It's God's victory that He is about to give you. Wow. And so then we go. God's will must be followed whether it makes sense or not. God's will is always right. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. When we accept God's plan, we invite God's presence, and that guarantees God's victory. In retrospect, in the present, in the future, the Israelites should have known. They, all they had to do was look at God's provision in the past. There they were. The previous generation was led from Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land. And the Lord closed the Red Sea over the Egyptian army and drowned them out. Then there was manna. And when they got tired of manna, there were quail. And then God provided for them the entire time. There was water from the rock. There was provision for this entire nation. Always. Then they came to the Jordan River. And the Jordan River was parted and they walked across on dry land. And they, they ate from the produce of the land when they came on the Canaan side of the Jordan. 
So they had history. They understood. We look back on things that God has done, and we know if I'm obedient, God will take care of me. Well, not one of the Lord's promises will ever fall null, will ever be void. Joshua 21, 45 says, Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. When Joshua was 110 years old and was about to die, he assembled the nation of Israel together, and this is what he said. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. You know what I see Jesus saying to me when I step into eternity? You know with all your heart and soul that not one of God's promises has failed. Every one has been fulfilled, and lo and behold, you are here as per my promise by your faith in me. I can see it. Phillips Brooks said it this way, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be better men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Teddy Roosevelt put it this way, Far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. I don't want to be in that gray twilight. I know victory in Jesus. 1 John 5, 4 said, This is the victory that has overcome the world our faith, our faith. Well, Joshua told them, he says, on that seventh day, you're going to circle the city seven times. The priest will blow the horns. And he says, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. And then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout! Wow. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, When Jesus returns to the earth, the Lord Himself will descend with a shout. Even Baptists will be shouting. <laughs> I am telling you, there will be no believer still. And He says, and with the sound of a trumpet. You hear that? That'll be that, that'll be that celebration horn. And we'll all be shouting with Him, folks. Well, the Bible says, when they shout, Joshua said, For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it is to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house. Seven times. Seven days. Seven is the perfect number. In Hebrew, it's the number of completeness or perfection. God's work was completed at Jericho. God's work in the creation of the world was completed in seven days. And you could go through the scripture about the number seven. 
So when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, all gave at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Wow. And that's the way it is. So if you're here today and you're struggling with something in your life that it's just kind of overcome you, it just it's daunting out there, whatever it might be. I've talked to so many people in the past few weeks about things that are, are just overwhelming to them. Whatever it might be to you, the victory is the Lord's. Be patient. Sometimes be silent until the Lord tells you to shout. And when victory is in your hand, shout. Shout. Sound off that trumpet. You're here today. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're, you're watching this from the privacy of your home or wherever you might be. Know that Jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks. The Bible says if anyone hears his voice and opens that door, he will come into you and he will abide with you. So if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, please open your heart to him. Don't linger. Don't delay. Maybe you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've never followed Him in public profession of faith or baptism by immersion, and you want to come forward and indicate this is what the Lord wants you to do today. Uh, you're looking for a church home. We have a great church family here. This invitation is for you as well. And for all of us, it's a time of rededication. Lord, I don't want to see things accomplished in my life that I take credit for or that can only be attributed to me. I want to see you do something in this congregation and in my life that you and you alone can take credit for. And thank you, Lord, for that. So would you stand with us as we sing the hymn of invitation. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord has laid on your hearts.